0: Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry.
1: Another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the grittiest guy I know, the limestone lionheart, the sedimentary sage, the marble maverick, Matthew Henry. How you doing, Matthew?
0: You you pass one kidney stone, and all of a sudden you're like the grittiest guy that you know. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we we should probably just out this right now. Uh, We are a day late because literally an hour before we were supposed to record, I experienced the most pain that I hope to ever experience in my entire life. It was uh, an abdominal pain that uh, I was convinced I was dying. Uh, And uh, my son drove me to the emergency room after a CT scan and an X-ray and lots and lots of good drugs. I uh, found out that it, no, it was just a kidney stone. And uh just which, a
1: kidney stone. Yeah, just
0: a kidney stone. Just a little just tiny, a tiny little, little thing, little, tiny little pebble. And uh you know, little tiny little thing that I eventually saw, you know, uh and uh yeah, I can't Whoa, believe something EMI. that small uh was uh was what was causing so much pain. But uh, so sorry that we're a day late. Uh but That's you know right. I was spending the evening in the ER. I would much rather be drinking cocktails and talking giants with with Ben, but you know, sometimes life gets in the way. And uh so, yeah, the grittiest guy you know. Yeah, I uh, was definitely some feeling the gritty last night.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Other than dancing the gritty? <laughs> doing the gritty? I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, folks, if you're uh, also, for those of you who are concerned, I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with me. So... <laughs>
0: We'll find a uh, relative you know, word. So <laughs> that's
1: that's fair. That's fair. Uh, if you want to send Matthew a good, well wishes, you can do that on um, Mastodon and Mastodon only. <laughs> um, he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. But hey, but that's so. That's why we're a day late. You know, life does get in the way. But the upshot is, Matthew got some really good painkillers yesterday, so good, and then he gets to drink today, so it's kind of a bonus, quite frankly.
0: Exactly, yeah. I get, you know, I get to yeah, experience both, yeah. you know, and that's right. So, you know, and I wish all of you the 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 drugs that I had if you were to ever be in that much pain, because uh, yeah. it was. Uh, and and like I've heard that people say that it's it's worse than 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 giving birth. I'm not going to make that claim. Because you know, I right. am so glad that I wasn't the one that had to do that. Uh, but at the same time, if it's anywhere near that, I just it it was. I, I have a lot of respect because it was really, really painful.
1: Well, I have heard people that have experienced both say that, Matthew. So, so it can be that pretty painful. But anyway, enough about you. Yeah, Whatever. enough You're about you. are over. Me. It's uh, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a question for you. Okay. I got a question for you. So it's been a pretty quiet week on the San Francisco Giants front. Yeah. Except for one notable thing. There's a big load off of my back, and we'll get to that shortly. But let's ask the question first. Is no news good news or bad news? And I don't mean just for the Giants, and I don't mean for just this year, but just in general. Is it better? Is no news good news or bad news? I I feel like,
0: I mean, of course, the optimism wants me to say, well, no news is good news. Uh, And generally when you're talking about the giants, then that is true because as soon as we know the news, it's never good (laughs) (laughs) or rarely good. Sorry, California fishing dude. Okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to be, uh, trying to be more positive, you know, on Twitter. Uh, we, we, I got some feedback that last week was a little too negative for some Mm -hmm. of you. And I know my role on, on Mm -hmm. our podcast is to counteract Ben's negativity and i failed i let you down and so i'm gonna do my best because but but having said that it has been hard to sit in silence you know and uh uh you know and every time a free agent is signed and it's not the the giants and, and you know uh, acknowledging that we have signed a pretty good one this year already that's right uh but you know we wanted more we expected more and we haven't gotten that yet and so it's a little hard and so i don't know if it's good news or not i'm 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 not feeling it right now
1: uh well, I'm definitely one of those, being an experienced parent, that when you stop hearing noise and you start stop receiving information, it generally indicates that something bad has happened. Uh so and, and also as a software engineer, like when a system goes silent, bad news. <laughs> when a kid goes silent, bad news. When your baseball team's front office goes silent, bad news. So, so yeah, I'm a big believer in no news is bad news. Uh, on that front, though, I do want to I do want to interject. You did mention a couple of things. Yes, we have gotten some feedback that we have been too negative on the show, which I take as positive feedback because that's my job. Like the only thing that would satisfy me. Is a World Series title, and that wouldn't even satisfy me. That would just get me to zero. <laughs> I would be like, So, how about them Giants? And I would be like, Meh. And that's when they win the World Series. So, so I've been doing my job, but Matthew's been struggling. Yeah, be- Matthew, you've been struggling because, because like, I mean, at a certain point, you just sound irrational and loony. Well,
0: I mean, yeah, I, I am as optimistic as they come. And I will acknowledge that there are still plenty of good free agents out there and that the off season is not over. But we haven't had the best track record, you know, right. and so it's just it's hard to kind of now it's getting harder to feel like the giants are going to be the ones that are going to come out with those free agents. And that's all I'm saying. And if they do it, then I will be excited and I will acknowledge that. Uh, But you know, I, it it is, you got to admit, it's a little bit harder to root for the positive outcomes when we haven't seen much of them. And so that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But uh, you know, we could sign Blake Snell and uh, Jordan Montgomery tomorrow. And uh, uh, that would change my tune quickly. For
1: sure. That's right. And uh, or all of that could not matter. And the Giants could squeak in, uh, barely get the third wild card and then go on a ridiculous run and win the World Series. That's totally that possible could happen too. too. Yep. Yep. So there you go. There's your positivity. The Giants could maybe possibly but totally unlikely win the World Series based on their current roster next year. Anyway, today is Sunday. It is not Sunday. It is Monday because of the kidney stone. Monday, January 1st, 2024, as we record this podcast. Our first podcast of the new year. And uh, let's see, as we already said, nothing happened for the San Francisco Giants. They didn't sign anybody big or do anything significant. However, there was a free agent signing that made me sigh with relief. The Boston Red Sox agreed to terms with one Lucas Giolito, meaning there is no possible way that he could end up taking a rotation spot away from Tristan Beck or Keaton Wynn Thank the baseball gods because I as 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 the day is long. and I don't even know how that saying goes. I was so certain that the Giants were gonna sign him and bump win or beck for him. Yep. I, I just I could feel it all the way down to my bones and it didn't happen and I am so thankful. Well you even saw Lucas some of the Giolito was my kidney stone. He was my kidney stone <laughs> of the offseason and we passed him. <laughs> <Whew. sighs> Enjoy.
0: Feeling good now. Feeling good. <laughs> No, you know, you know, your passion against Lucas Giolito is well documented when, like, Scott's reaching out on Twitter saying, hey, LG got signed by the Red Sox, you know, and, you know, <laughs> you were the first person he thought of, Ben, when he saw that news. And
1: Well, thank you. It's it's, it's important to think about the people that, that, that really um, could suffer the most from these sorts of things. That's right. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Scott. Uh, but, you know, what? hey, congratulations to you. Congratulations to all Giants Nation. Yeah, because
0: we could have had uh, Lucas Giolito and Anthony DeSclafani in the same lineup next year. Uh, the, same rota- the same rotation, that would be wonderful, and because they're the exact same person. <laughs> I'm convinced. Oh, you've never oh. seen them together at the same time, so I just I think they're the same
1: person. You, you're you're certain that they're well. You know what's going to happen now, Matthew, is Giolito's going to win the American League Cy Young Awards. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's
0: what's going to. happen. And the happen. Red Sox are going to win the World Series.
1: Yeah, and there you go. There's Ben being positive. <laughs> okay, wait. I think that's the opposite of that. But anyway, that's my job. That's my job. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to do that. Stuff. Yes, and as you're being
0: negative, maybe this is a good time for the trivia question. Let's do it. So I wish I could say this trivia question was a positive one, but alas. <laughs> oh come on. Uh,
1: hey, you know what? I forgive
0: you. I forgive you.
1: You just just, you just you know, went through I, a traumatic. The, the experience. news comes
0: at you, and you just take it as a trivia question. I didn't. You know, I didn't make this up. So yeah, yeah. So this year, the Mets had the biggest payroll uh, in in the majors uh, and finished twelve games under five hundred. So, what team previously had the record for largest payroll to finish at least twelve games under five hundred?
1: The twenty twenty four Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh,
0: I like that. I like that. Locking a lot. it in. That's yeah.
1: my that's my answer. The 2024 Los Angeles Dodgers.
0: All right. We will find out which team had the largest payroll to finish at least 12 games under 500 at the end of the episode.
1: Matthew Henry, so help me god, if this is not one of the other 29 baseball teams, you're in big trouble. <laughs> All i, haven't, right, we'll I haven't looked at th- i haven't looked at the answer but i've been connect- i've been my you know i've got that i got the, the the rain man i've got the you know the, the beautiful mind number is like <laughs> yeah, flying through the air hair. right by me yep, yep. and i'm like doot, 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 doot. i'm like oh no oh no <laughs> we
0: will All find right. out at the end of the episode
1: uh, i feel like i already know it's just which year was it
0: which year was it that's right
1: <laughs> but
0: anyway enough with the banter Let's talk cocktails. Let's do it,
1: Bob. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, Bob, I am drinking a cocktail to commemorate the best year of some of our listeners' lives. Hopefully not the worst year of some of our listeners' lives. And everything possibly in between. I am drinking a cocktail called the 2023. And if you listened to last Thursday's show, you would know that I put a lot of time and effort into developing this recipe and definitely did not do it live during the show. (laughs) And while you were there, you would have heard that the recipe is... Well, actually, on the show, I said two ounces, but that was a little heavy. That was a little heavy. So it's one and a half ounces of curacao, one and a half ounces of white rum, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and then if you had a good year, you're going to top that with club soda, and if you had a bad year, you're going to top it with champagne. To make it, you add the curacao, the rum, and the bitters into a rocks glass with ice, and then you stir gently to combine. You top it with the club soda or the champagne. Hey, if you had a good 2023 and you still want to use the champagne, that's cool too. There's nothing more fancy than champagne on the rocks. That's what my mother told me.
0: Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail.
1: (laughs) It is, Rob. It really is. (laughs) That's quite the combo there.
0: Oh, what are you drinking Matthew? So Bob, I've been, I've been waiting to create a cocktail for our superstar free agent signings. Uh, I had, I had a, a Aaron judge one last year. I was ready with a Carlos Correa tequila drink. Uh, but you know, finally, finally, We signed a free agent, Jung-Hoo Lee, and today I'm drinking a cocktail called Soju Love Jung-Hoo. And uh, what is in a Soju Love Jung-Hoo? Well, it is two ounces of soju, which is a spirit that is popular in South Korea, a half ounce of ginger liqueur, three-quarter ounces of green tea syrup, one ounce of lime juice, and one dash of Angostura bitters. Put all those ingredients into a shaker with ice, and shake for 10 to 12 seconds, double strain into a chilled coupe glass, and enjoy. Uh, To make the green tea syrup, you could go to Thursday's episode and find out how to do that. Uh, So that's what I'm drinking, Bob, the Soju Love Jung-Hoo. Mmm, that's a tasty cocktail. Yes, it is, Bob. Here's to Jung-Hoo. Cheers. All right, well we didn't draft Jung Huli. We signed him no. as a free
1: agent. That's correct.
0: And and I think that we uh we have we have been introduced to quite a few uh rookies over the last couple seasons, right? There've been a lot of debuts. Like the Giants have been one of the teams that has debuted the most players, I think uh over the last couple years. And uh and so I know you you have uh, gotten into the uh your Googler and your your baseball reference stat head machine. That's right. And you were posing a question, which I thought was really interesting, right? The question was, how well does each team develop players? Like, you know, which players, which teams have had players that have debuted in the last 10 years that have made the most impact, right? Right. And uh, that's right. And so tell me a little bit more about this exploration because I thought it was pretty fascinating.
1: Well, you know, as I said last week, like the whole the whole thing around player development is like a dark art to me. And so I decided to pony up the eight dollars a month that is required by baseball references stathead.com to go digging through the data to see like which teams are good at developing players and which teams aren't good at developing players. And obviously, I, I spent a lot of time focusing on the San Francisco Giants. And uh, and what I discovered was actually really quite fascinating in a, in a number of ways. The first thing that I, I discovered is, is it's it's quite hard to identify who the first team is, at least through these current databases, to sign an international free agent. So it was really easy to find players who were drafted and then made it to the major leagues and to know which team drafted them because I could actually just look that up directly. And uh, and so that's really what I focused on today. But the first interesting thing that I noticed is is that the number of players who debuted between 2014 and 2023 in all of Major League Baseball was roughly... 1100 I think it was slightly under 1100 players so within the last 10 years there have only been 1100 new major league baseball players and a lot of those players played in less than 10 games so that felt like a really small number to me because if you divide that by 10 that's 100, uh, maybe 110 per year. And then you divide that number by 30, and that is six six
0: six 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 thousand.
1: Yes, exactly. And so that's how many new players each team de- debuted every year, both from international signings and drafted. And those international signings include people from Japan. who who go directly to the major leagues and don't spend any time in the minors. So that, to me, is just kind of fascinating, is that the number is actually really, really small. Now, I went ahead and looked at this from a draft perspective for the San Francisco Giants, and the data is, is very, very interesting, because I've been focusing on... Well, I wanted to focus on position players, right? Because that's where we're always talking about. How the Giants can't develop position players. And they're no good at it. And they just they just they just suck at it. And when it comes to drafting players, Matthew, that's the true. Giants are actually No. No. They're not they're not good at it. <laughs> they're <laughs> oh, not good at okay. it. Okay. But they don't suck at it. But they don't suck at it. But there's a catch. Okay. 'Cause cause guess who the number one player to make his debut in the last ten years who was drafted by the San Francisco Giants is. If you
0: say Brian Reynolds, I swear to God.
1: Well that's all we have for our time for today, folks. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. <laughs> Seriously? Of course of course it was Brian Reynolds. Of course it was. Of course it was. Brian Reynolds is the best drafted player to make the San Francisco giant drafted position player to make his debut in the last 10 years. But who's number two?
0: Oh gosh. Um, uh, Matt Duffy.
1: No, that's close. That is very, very close. But this guy made his debut five years before Brian Reynolds and has the second most war in the last 10 years so that just tells you how good Brian Reynolds is. But it's Adam Duvall. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Forever Giant. Adam Duvall. Yeah. yeah. Forever Giant, Adam Duvall. And then it's Matt Duffy. Oh. And then it's Joe Panic, Okay. And then it's Austin Slater. And then it's Steven Duggar. And, you know, I would say maybe probably now at this point we're into the disappointment range. Right? Yeah. I think Duggar was, that people had high expectations for Duggar and they never quite played out the way people hoped they did. I mean, he was their best defensive center fielder in 2021, and then they traded him in 2022, and look how that turned out. You know, that was uh, uh, along with the whole Maurizio Dubon disaster. But then number seven is Christian Arroyo. Number eight. Number 22, Christian Arroyo. Another another disappointment. Uh, Number eight is not a disappointment, but a surprise, Mr. Kelby Tomlinson i oh, old Kelby with his black glasses, and number nine, and scrawny, little out.
0: hardly throwing <laughs> out the uniform. Oh,
1: yes. Number nine, a big disappointment to a lot of Giants fans, Jarrett Parker. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Right. He was going to be like the stud athlete guy.
1: Yeah. That's right. That's right. And number 10, the 10th best drafted Giant in the last 10 years was last year's starting third baseman, opening day third baseman, David Vr. And this will tell you the impact of Patrick Bailey. Patrick Bailey is number 11 on the list after playing, what, half a season? In the wow. last 10 years, he is the 11th best drafted position player. And uh, and the list kind of goes on like that, although right behind him is Joey Bart. And then Andrew Susak and Tyler Fitzgerald, and who was also a rookie last year. So... Basically, I mean, that doesn't sound great, does it?
0: No. <laughs> no.
1: No. It, Although it really... I will say,
0: uh, Matt Duffy's had a better career than I thought. Like, better than, than Joe Panic. Like, I, I don't know if I would have made that. Uh, that yeah,
1: career. almost twice as much by war. He has a, a war of 9.3, a B war. This is baseball reference war, of course, since I'm doing all of this in, in, in baseball reference, to Joe Panic's 5.4. But the point is, is that, you know, this stuff is really hard. And, and the numbers are actually so tiny that it, one player makes all the difference, right? Like if the Giants hadn't traded away Brian Reynolds, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, hard to, it's hard to even say how all of the other years, these past five years would have gone. Yeah, Right? It, it's impossible to say, but I think we can say the Giants would have been a vastly better baseball team. Um, I mean, I think we can say that they would have 16 more wins <laughs> than they've had. Maybe not that much. But but the point is, is that, um, yeah, I mean, trading away that one player has made a huge difference on the reputation of the Giants' ability to elevate or promote um, position players. And... And it also, but it. I, I think we can all agree, it also had a huge impact on their uh, ability to, um, uh, to win over the last five years, right? That one decision, I think, had sweeping repercussions for the Giants. Now, but I do want to go ahead and compare this to a couple of different teams. The... I think who do who do you want to go? Should I go to the Yankees first? Was that the one that you liked the best, Matthew? Uh, yeah, the I thought New it York was Yankees? telling. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, so let's go do the same thing for the New York Yankees, because if you think that's bad for the San Francisco Giants, hold on to your butts. But of course, maybe it's all mitigated by the fact that the top the player at the top of their list is Aaron Judge. Maybe maybe it doesn't matter, right, Matthew? Well, like, maybe it doesn't. How many matter. World Series have they won? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Uh, but what's also really interesting for the Yankees, okay, so their number one guy that they've debuted in the last 10 years that they drafted. And, of course, by the way, this it, as the Brian Reynolds example shows, it, it doesn't mean they played their whole career with the Yankees. It doesn't have to be that way. It is that way for Aaron Judge. He's number one. Number two on the Yankees list is Anthony Volpe who was a rookie in 2023 he is the second best by war a cumulative stat of a yankee who was drafted by the yankees and made his debut in the last 10 years that's crazy he's in front of jake cave who's in front of josh h smith <laughs> who's in front of ben Gammel? good old ben Who's in front of Tyler Austin? I actually remember that name. <laughs> A lot of these guys are still playing. Uh, who's ahead of Kyle Higashioka? Who's ahead of Rob Ref Snyder? Who's ahead of Greg Bird? So, anyway, and it, so if you were to take that list, it, it, the Giants are much, much better at drafting and promoting position players than the New York Yankees. So. Like, I I guess the
0: point is, is that drafting position players or players in general is hard, right? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you're only, I mean, look at the math we said before, right? Three to four players debut, maybe on average per year, per team. Uh, Some of those, a lot of those, I would imagine for very short amounts of time, right? They're, you know, I wonder what that average you know, games would be played would be, but I would imagine it's, you know, for a lot of them, it's a game, you know, or the, you know, a few games in September, those kind of things. So, uh, it just illustrates how hard it is to develop talent and to, you know, how, and, and any, and it magnifies any mistakes, right? So when you trade away someone like Brian Reynolds, you know, to and that's that's the one where you're like you're 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 trying to chase that for the next 10 years. Right. You know, and so it's, it's amazing to think of it that way, because I think, you know, we tend to fall in love with our prospects uh, and want and think that they're going to be all the ones that are going to change the franchise. And in reality, many of them will will have very little impact, you know, like a Stephen Duggar or, you know, something like that. Right. Or so, a Jarrett Parker correct yeah
1: or a um uh uh, hold on here please uh a uh, what was his name a josh h smith (laughs) who is still playing by the way and has compiled a 1.1 war in two seasons so so maybe i mean uh, tyler austin well for the yankees
0: but you were mentioning too though the giants are are there is a place where they're pretty good at developing players
1: Yes, the Giants are actually really good at developing pitchers. And, Which kind of intuitively we knew, right? I mean, just... Yeah, I mean, we did know that intuitively. Um, and a lot of these guys, the Giants actually traded away, probably for more than they ended up delivering for their other teams. But by far and away, the most impactful... Well, you know, I would say this, like, I also feel like the Giants have done a really good job at promoting pitchers recently. And this is where Farhan Zaidi is starting to look and and his regime and the the player development side of the team of the organization is starting to look good because the list and bear with me as I read off a, a bunch of names. But the list goes like this. Number one in the last 10 years to debut, who was drafted by the San Francisco Giants, was Logan Webb, followed by Tyler Rogers right? No no surprises there. Logan has a 13.8 war over four seasons. Tyler Rogers has a 6.1 war over four seasons. But, you know, obviously one of them's a starter and one of them's a reliever. After that, things get interesting because the names are Okert, Derek Law, Chris Stratton, Ty Block, Kyle Crick, and Kyle Crick. Now, not guys who wow would, who necessarily would wow you, but many of those players were traded by the Giants and they got value out of them. Mm-hmm. But I really want to talk about number eight on the list, which is Ryan Walker. Now he's followed up by, I'm just going to rattle out some names in case people know who they are because you're all, you're all hardcore Giants fans. Ryan Walker is followed by Caleb Berger, Chris Heston, Phil Bickford- no That's right. No, No hitter Chris, Phil Bickford, a former first rounder, Matt Gage, Tyler Sear. But then numbers 14 and 15 are Keaton Wynn and Kyle Harrison. So the 8th and 14th and 15th best pitchers to be drafted and promoted to the major leagues by the San Francisco Giants were all rookies last year. And remember, war is a cumulative stat. Yes, you can go negative, so it's possible that these guys could go down. But it seems unlikely, given their current trends. And in less than half a season, well, well Walker was with the team for the full year. But for, for Harrison, who had what? I don't even know. Did he have a quarter of a season, Matthew? If that, yeah. 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 And Keaton Wynn are 14th and 15th on that list. That's crazy right So I think that indicates to me at the very least that these these guys are the real deal compared to everything else that the Giants have produced in the last 10 years. But also I know a lot of that doesn't sound super exciting beyond the current stuff, right? A lot of those guys sound like busts. But the thing is is like it is really hard to develop great players. And I, I think the, the the Yankees position player, one demonstrates that as well too. And I looked at a lot of other teams and there weren't a ton that stood out. I'm avoiding the evil empire just because we don't need to do that. But there is like, but this did beg the question, is this just all random chance? Like, is this just all like, is there, is there any sort of skill that any one organization or multiple organizations have at this discipline? And as I was looking through the stats, I was beginning to feel like, no, right? Sometimes you get lucky and sometimes you don't, and it just doesn't seem to matter. And then I happened upon one team who in the last 10 years has produced five players who all have double-digit wars at this point in their career. Number one has a war of 31.2. Number two has a war of 29.1. Number three has a war of 19.7. All three of those are better than Brian Reynolds, by the way. Reynolds debuted later than most of those guys, but still. Comparable to Brian Reynolds, all three of them. And then number four was 11.9, and number five was 11.3. And the team was the Oakland Athletics. Wah wah. Wah 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 wah. Thought it was going
0: to be some team that was going to, like, you know, that had won all these World Series or something.
1: But. Uh, no, yeah. it, it just goes to show you you can be really good at developing position players, but still have a crap team because you have crap ownership. And I know we take shots—well, at least I take shots—at the ownership a lot, and a lot of people have, you know, kind of taken the current Giants' ownership to task. But here is a team that is arguably much better at producing position players in the same metropolitan area and uh, can't even put together respectable years where they're not the worst team in baseball over the last five years. Um. And so I guess the point is, is that like even if you are good at this stuff, it's still a crapshoot, and it, it, there's so many other factors that come into play. But there is something to be said about the Oakland Athletics and their ability to identify talent early. Now I will say this: those names, by the way, were Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Max Muncie, Sean Murphy, and Addison Russell. Three of those guys were drafted in the first round by the A's. One was. Drafted in the third round, Sean Murphy. And Max Muncie was a fifth rounder. So these aren't guys where the A's like pulled them up and like completely turned them into something that they weren't. These were people that were highly regarded and the A's drafted high. But you know what the A's often do too, Matthew? They often draft guys high that nobody else seems to recognize as good. So, they don't have to sign them. So, they don't have to sign them. They don't have to pay them the slot rate. Like, that's how cheap the A's have been. And yet, here they go. They keep producing great position players. Now, they aren't very good at producing pitchers. But the point is, is that drafting and development seems to be really, really hard, mostly driven by luck. And even when you are good at it, doesn't necessarily mean that the cookie's going to crumble your way because there's so many other ways that you can mess it up, right? You can be a lousy owner, like what's happened to the A's, or you can trade away the one good position player that you've developed in the last 10 years, (laughs) like the giants,
0: (laughs) which, you know, it's interesting because you're going back to that time, right? That was a, a time where, uh, you know they were trying the giants were this is before Farhan right so the giants were trying to extend their world series window uh feeling like if they added one more veteran or two more veterans then they were going to be able to be competitive again and instead it just totally imploded right i mean they had some of the worst seasons ever in in the in the late teens so uh you know i think that that's you know when you talk about player development, you know, there's that aspect well as well, right? Making choices that affect you long term. You're trading away young talent for uh a guy like Andrew McCutcheon that I don't even think played a whole season with the Giants. And so, you know, those are things that uh I think we, you know, we we tend to kind of focus on the Farhan era, but really this goes back a long way. And and the Giants are um They've, they've shown some some ability, especially recently. I mean, a lot of those guys you were talking about on the top 10 are recent additions to the Giants. And so maybe, maybe we're on the uptick. That's the optimistic part of this, Ben, is that the Giants had a lot of recent players on that list and that will only continue to grow. And so I'm optimistic that the Giants are on the right track now.
1: I would agree, but I think that's mostly on the pitching side.
0: Okay. Right? Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like. Like these up and comers, these guys who are fourteenth and fifteenth and eighth on the list are all on the pitching side. It doesn't seem like there's any great guys. Like, let me just look down back, go back to the the player batting list here and see who is the highest. Oh, Patrick Bailey at number ten. Um, sorry, number eleven. Right, and again, that's only in one season, so that bodes well for him. That trend is very strong. And then Tyler Fitzgerald shows up at number sixteen. So, and again, he only played in ten games, and he had a zero point two WAR, Matthew. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then, um, oh, Mac Williamson. Uh, he's that's really it. it. It's a big, it's a big drop off from there. I don't. Where, where are you, Luis Matos? Oh no, and Luis wouldn't be on here because he wasn't drafted, and neither would Marco Luciano. Uh, so yeah, that's the other thing is is that these lists here are all drafted players, and so Luciano and Matos were not drafted, so they don't appear on this list.
0: But I, uh, but I think that that is a good point, right? Because traditionally the Giants have not done well on the international market. I mean they haven't done right. um, they haven't done a lot of of development from Latin America or even Asia. And Correct. So so that that could be an area that we could look at as well and I know the Giants have tried to change that as of late but you know we're and we're starting to see some of that with like Matos right. and, and, and but uh, yeah I mean that's a whole other aspect of this player development thing that the Giants haven't uh, necessarily been very very strong in.
1: Right. And it looks like international players at least on the position side make up about 25% of of players who make the major leagues. Um I do want to quickly just Uh, To to mention the Dodgers, just so that people have it for a Mm. frame of reference. (laughs) But in the last 10 years, these are all people who debuted in the last 10 years. uh, These are the names. Corey Seager, and from top to bottom, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith, Jock Peterson, Alex Verdugo. All five of those guys have a war above 10. Hit them all. Then it drops down to 5.2 for Gavin Lux, followed by Kyle Farmer, James Outman, who uh, is in his second season. I think he was technically a rookie last year, but he already has a war of 3.7. Then Luke Rayleigh, and then Connor Wong, and then Scott Schebler. Sure, go with that. And then after that, it falls off significantly. So within the last 10 years, the Dodgers have debuted maybe 11 guys who at this point in their career have a war above one. And they're good at it, right? Right. Not as good as the A's, apparently, because nobody is. But they're good at it. Way better at it than the Giants. And even then, they really, I mean, five stars is a lot. And I would say they probably have five stars in there. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's including Verdugo and Peter, Jock Peterson. So you know, uh, the, yeah, I just think that just goes to show like how hard this is, even for teams that everybody recognizes as being good at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, you're looking in there. You're looking at the case of two or three more players.
1: That's right. Right. That's right. Over and, ten the, years. <laughs> that's right. And the point is, they didn't trade those guys away, though.
0: Right? Good point. Yeah, they they saw their value. Uh, I guess the A's also got Mac. You know, the Dodgers got Max Muncy from
1: the A's. Right. So. That's right. And so the A's, you know, traded those guys away, possibly to keep trying to do what they were doing, right? Because, again, I'm only looking at players that were drafted by these teams, not at players who were traded for while they were minor leaguers and then debuted later, which is a whole different kind of development question. But I did want to bring up the Dodgers. because. Because that is the second thing that we're going to talk about today. Because well, we, we've why? kind of been... Why do we got to talk about the Dodgers? Because, you know what, Matthew? Because I've... Because the whole world is talking about the the, the stupid <laughs> Dodgers, Matthew. The whole world. <laughs> that doesn't mean we have to. No, zig- it does. We zig when it, they zag, Ben. No, Brr- it, it's right. <laughs> I yes. Yes, we're going to talk about it one time and one time only. We're going to we're going to we're going to pull it out. We're going to just look at this disgusting display of largesse. This this like ugh, so, so this just this Southern Californian crap. One time, and then we're going to put it away. We're going to we're going to we're going to put it where it deserves to go. At the bottom of the outhouse,
0: where the sun but, don't but, shine.
1: Yes, that's right. But I did want to make one statement because I've been thinking about this. Right, like, oh God, they got Otani. Oh, oh, they got Yamamoto too. Like, oh, God. and these guys are—they're playing for the Dodgers for free. It's like you know. It's like what? What is going on? And look, we know why it happened. It wasn't Ron DeSantis's poop map. Right. The reason that the Dodgers have been able to sign these guys is because, A, they can afford it because they got all that TV money. And B, it's because they have a 10 year history of making the playoffs. And that's why, you know, and and yeah, and they're a big brand. And that's why people want to play for them. But you know what? I'm tired of that BS. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of the Dodgers. Say it, brother. Because here's the thing they barely matter to us. That's right. Amen. Preach it. We only got to smell that smell four times in a year for 12 games. And, you know, and when you play 12 games against a team, you're going to win three of those games no matter what, right?
0: That's right. Hallelujah, balanced schedule. That's right.
1: That's right. So, so the Giants are only going to play the Dodgers for 12 games, and they're going to win three of them. Okay? And this is the best team in baseball on paper, because as we all know, in 2024, they're going to finish 12 games out of under 500 because of the trivia question. But... The point is, is that, like, what do you expect to do against the best team on paper in baseball? If you go five and seven against them, that's, that's fair, right? Yeah. So that's all you need to do. You need just to claw out two extra wins because then you can go play the Rockies. And then you just wash that stank away. And now you no longer have to worry about the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers do not matter to the San Francisco Giants in the regular season next year. So if the Giants can somehow scrape together a better roster than they have right now, (laughs) there is still a chance that they can make the playoffs. And then, and only then, is that when you have to worry about the Dodgers. But you know what? They might play the D-bags in the first round, and then the D-bags will take care of that problem for you. Yes, that means the Giants, if they got past the first round, would have to find some way to beat the D-bags, and quite frankly, I don't know that we have a roster to do that right now. Well, we don't. But, but the offseason is still is still young. <laughs> That's younger. right. That's right. That's right. And the point is, is that I think this Dodgers team is vulnerable. I think it's especially vulnerable to a team like the D Bags, and I think it's especially vulnerable to a team that is built like the Giants are built in the direction that they're going. When you take into consideration somebody like Zhang Huli. Like a matchup that I am actually excited to see this year, Matthew, is Yamamoto versus Lee.
0: Yeah. That'll be fun.
1: Because because Yamamoto, what does he do?
0: He throws uh, nasty breaking pitches.
1: That's right. He throws strikes, but they're all like they're all like 94 miles an hour or slower. I don't know why we wanted this guy in the first place. What a chump. And what does Jung-Hoo Lee do? Uh,
0: he uh, he makes contact. That's what he, he does. He
1: rakes. But yeah, he makes contact, right? He is a beast at making contact. He seems like a guy who should eat Yamamoto for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then a midnight snack. And I think if you have that kind of approach against the Dodgers in the postseason which is exactly the kind of team that the D-bags are, suddenly they look really vulnerable, right? You got a bunch of bombers who, you know, don't necessarily play well in the postseason. I mean, look what Freeman and, uh, you know, Betts did against the D-bags. Right, yeah. Right? Right. And so if you have great quality pitching and you have good contact hitting and you run on the bases, you make Will Smith work real hard, and he's no slouch, then the Dodgers are very beatable. So you know what? I'm not worried about them at all. This is the last time we're going to talk about those losers on this podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I will agree with you. I think the whole premise of I mean the the Dodgers have won a hundred games, and uh, one each of the last well five out of the last six not oh, full seasons I guess I should say right, and so so we're used to them winning uh you know a hundred plus games. They're just going to do that right, and uh, only once during those times did they win the World Series, and that was the the games the season that they didn't win a hundred games. So so I think that you're right. This is uh, they are still a formal team, as they always have been. Uh, but it doesn't mean that uh, that is going to preclude the Giants from making the, the postseason uh, or even winning the World Series, uh, because as we've seen, it doesn't really guarantee anything to win over 100 games. The Giants experienced that just a few years ago. So
1: so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Enough. The, down with the Dodgers, man. Who cares right. what the Dodgers are doing? That's right. The, there are no super teams in baseball. It's not a thing. It doesn't exist. Except in the early 2010s when the Giants were the super team <laughs> and the early 70s when it was the A's. And you know, the early the 430s and 40s when it was the Yankees and we didn't have things like free markets and fair trade. Yeah. And free agents. And you know, um uh, desegregated International baseball. International signings. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <Segregated> baseball. <laughs> integrated so baseball. Integrated right. so yeah, baseball. When we didn't have integrated baseball. Thank you. Uh Yeah. So so there you go. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, I was mopey about it for a couple of days and then and then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm not going to mope about this anymore. Like, I don't have to deal. The, the, the stank, I don't know. They're stinky and they suck and I hate them and I'm not going to talk about them anymore. That's the point, Matthew.
0: (laughs) I think that's a good point. We don't need to, you know, we're a Giants podcast. We don't need to talk about the Dodgers uh, and we shouldn't be worrying about them. So we're not going to. We're going to just worry about the Giants. That's right. I'm really good at that without, I don't need any help.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We do need some other guys that can make contact and run the bases though. It's just just a couple. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know who you know who's really good at that. In theory, who? Wade Meckler.
0: Yeah, in theory. Yeah, yeah. we haven't you know, really seen it yet on the major league level.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know who else could also, in theory, be good at that. He he was a little bit good at it for a little bit. Casey Case, Schmidt. Casey Schmidt. Yeah. 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 Um.
0: Well, see, uh-huh. I mean, you know, and I think it, it goes to speak that young players, especially hitters, are harder to uh, judge based, you know, in the earliest going. We don't know how this is going to turn out. You know, Casey Schmidt had some strikeout issues, especially as the season went on. Um, and so we don't know. Maybe he maybe he fixes that. Maybe he matures as a hitter and becomes better at the contact. Uh, or maybe that's the ceiling, you know, and uh, that's the interesting thing about prospects. And we'll find out uh, the Giants sure could use one of those guys to do that though
1: no no i'm i'm convinced matthew they're gonna do it okay all right because because i've fallen in love with them
0: oh well see that's your problem yeah that's your problem and and i think you know it's a problem that many of us giants fans have right especially lately we've been conditioned to think about how wonderful our prospects are and we've been excited to see the Marco Luciano debut. We've been excited to see the Kyle Harrison debut. We've been excited to see Casey Schmidt and Patrick Bailey and all of that. Right. And, and you know, and, and, and Brett Wisely. No, just kidding. Um, but, uh. Whoa, that's... whoa.
1: Don't go too far here. Okay. <laughs> I was just doing uh, that for the segue, man. I didn't, I don't, I'm not actually like, whoa. Okay. No, like don't put that. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, there
0: are some guys that maybe were a little, a little, a little too soon. Uh, you know, we didn't need to see them quite that as as early. Uh, yeah, I mean, or even Wade Meckler, right? I mean, Wade Meckler didn't even need to be put on the forty man last year. You know, and uh, oh, but and there now were so we're... many
1: people on on the X, formerly known as no, the Twitter, formerly known as X, whatever that yes. thing. There were there were so many Matthew. They were so, Wade Meckler was going to lead us to the promised land, right? And yeah.
0: and here was a guy that was his highest level of success had been. Was it double A? I think he had done well at double A. And, yes. and and so so yeah, I you could question that move as an organization because now, like, we have to keep him on the 40 man. And his and his time to to produce is shortened. And so so I feel like, you know, those are I guess my point is though, is that we have fallen in love with these players. And yet now, one of the the, the storylines that we're following this offseason is how the Giants can improve their position players through uh trade. Right. And so they've been they've been talking about guys like Willie Adamas or, you know, um, even uh, Randy Rosarena was uh, was a name thrown out there. Uh, and then but but when when you're talking about those times of names, then you're 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 looking at guys like Keaton Wynn, Casey Schmidt, Carson Wisenhunt, Luis Matos. These are names that are being thrown around as trade bait. And, you know, a lot of, you know, the the Giants have fans have fallen in love with uh with these prospects and so we're kind of on this like weird state where we know we got to get better but we don't want to give up the guys that might help us get better um, that's right and and that's that's a hard place to be because it's it's like do you give up the one that you love now that has potential or do you like bring in the one that you know has has the who has proven themselves uh at this but but may not be as good as the potential of the uh, that you're giving up
1: I mean, do you want to give up Brian Reynolds? No. Do you want to get a Jason Schmidt? Yes. But you never know how it's going to work out. I do have a formula though. I have I have a way. I have an idea. Oh, okay. I think we should trade the pitchers and not trade any of the position players. Not because I am in love with them and not because I believe that any one of them is going to like break out. But here's the thing. One, I think our pitchers are valued higher. So we would get more for them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the intelligent reason. The unintelligent reason is, is that if we hoard all of these position players, then maybe one of them, Matthew, <laughs> will break out and be that elusive position player that we've been waiting for since Buster Posey Heck, you know what, right now, Matthew, I'd take a Matt Duffy. I would take a Matt Duffy right now. I, I think Casey Schmidt could be your Matt Duffy. He could be. He's got a lot of those qualities. You know, I, I'd love to have a Matt Duffy right now, a young Matt Duffy right now, hitting number two behind jung Hu Lee. Oh, God, that would be so sweet. Yeah, it would. It would. Take that, D-Bags. <sighs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess I just wanted to throw that
0: out there, that this is a— uh, that that that. This is going to be an interesting offseason because of all the hype that these young guys have gotten. And we've been hearing about these, some guys that haven't even made their debut yet, like, you know, Mason Black and, you know, Carson Wisenhunt, Will Bednar, all these, these names that, you know, Giants fans have heard are going to be the next wave of talent. Uh, if we trade them, then it's kind of like, wait, what? You know, we're giving up on these, on this talent. Uh, but I think, you know, That's one of the reasons why you have prospects is to trade them for players that can help you now. A prospect can only help you three or four years down the road, uh, whereas a a proven veteran can help you now. And so I think the Giants are in that we got to prove it now mode. And so we we definitely should be seeing some trades. And I think some of these trades might be painful for some Giants fans. So, I just want to prepare people for that because it will be there will be like what we're giving up Carson Wisenhunt for that, you know, and um, yeah, we are. And uh, that's just the way it goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the fact of the matter is like most of these guys they don't pan out to be much. As we just discussed earlier in the show. Even when they make it to the major leagues. Right. Right? They 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 squeeze out a five, six year career with a you know, three point one war. Do
0: you remember and, the name of the pitchers that were traded for uh Chris Bryant? Uh
1: um,
0: I, I don't. So just to be honest, Dewey, I do we cheat them and how? Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, but that's my point, right? I mean, we, we tend to fall in love with the prospects and then um, not necessarily uh, pan out that way. So, so just hold true, hold, hold, hold steady Giants fans. And, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about some of the moves that could be made. Let's, let's, let's mix it up. Let's, let's do that.
1: Yeah. It's better to do something than nothing.
0: Exactly. That's right. Cause you know, good news is better than no news or something like that.
1: Right. Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Look that up on Baseball Reference. (laughs) All right. Well, I think it's time that we answer today's trivia question, Ben. And uh, the trivia question was, as it relates to the Mets, the Mets had the biggest payroll in 2024 and finished 12 games under 500. What team previously had the record for largest payroll to finish at least 12 games under 500? The answer to that, Ben, was the 2018 <sighs> San Francisco Giants. I, they had baseball's highest payroll that year I, at 208 million and finished 16 games under 500. I don't want to hear it. If it makes you feel any better, the, the the Mets outspent the 2018 Giants by 135 million.
1: It doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs>
0: but it just goes to prove that payroll is not always equal success. Right. And we saw that just as 2018 wasn't that long ago. I got underwear that old.
1: Wow. (laughs) TMI. (laughs) Yeah. I can keep that between us. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I want you to know, Matthew, that Chris Bryant was traded for one position player and one pitcher and uh Alexander Canario in his major league career has an OPS plus of 143. I hate him already. <laughs> <laughs> he only had 17 plate appearances though. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Small sample size. <laughs> yeah, he uh he uh he ha- he is 5 for 17 with a home run, a triple and a double in his career. Uh meanwhile, Caleb Killian has played across two seasons in 3 in 4 games. No, sorry, in six games with an ERA of 12.42. And I don't need to give you any special analytics for you to know that that's bad.
0: Trade away your pitchers, dude. Trade them away.
1: That's right. Trade away your pitchers. Don't trade <laughs> away the position players, though, because, you know, the more the, be more. the next
0: Alexander Canario.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. OPS plus 143.
0: All right. We should probably wrap this up. My urethra is uh, getting a little raw. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, it it had a rough day yesterday. That's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) Sorry, folks. It's been a long day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? My uvula is getting a little inflamed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: So on that note. I will wrap this up. Uh, Folks, thank you for joining us. Uh, Don't forget to uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, Also, don't forget to rate us on the podcast. listener of your choice. Punch those five stars. That would be a big help. Also, don't forget to tell people about us. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Tell your significant other. Have somebody listen to us. Somebody new. That would be great. Uh, Also, don't forget to follow us on the socials. Uh, The platform formerly known as Twitter. We're and Instagram at Giant Cocktails. Uh, on Threads as well and uh, Mastodon, For the, there's a few of you that just uh, keep interacting on Mastodon which I'm, I'm shocked, but uh, thank you for doing that uh, so find us there uh, and uh, yeah, I guess until next week Ben, it's been good chatting with you cheers
1: my friend cheers Matthew goodbye everybody bye
0: Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time. Bottoms up. Gooddly by Doodly Flow. Adiosma mother- <laughs> No. <laughs> Sorry, no, not that.